Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to the Arsenal Way. Back again with you guys for another episode of our Press Box series, a show in which I'm joined by our colleagues over at Football.London. Kaya, how are you doing, mate? Are you well? Are you good? I'm good. I'm nice and dry now. We got uh, a bit caught in the rain at Brighton. It was Press Box was not uh, mm. rain-free at all. We were absolutely soaking, so I'm glad to be in a, a dry and warm place now for this one. Yeah, it's amazing how quickly October just marks the beginning of the cold <laughs> times uh, for England. It's officially hoodie weather, hence why I adorned yes. myself today. And uh, fleece weather for yourself is... Yeah, course, jumper so. indoors, that kind of day. <laughs> of course, our press box show, we are usually joined by uh, everyone from, from the likes of Football London. Chris Wheatley is feeling a little bit under the weather, so apologies that he's not here, and we wish him the absolute best in, in feeling well very soon. But Kaya... Glad that you're here to talk about the game on Saturday because it was a polarising fixture for much of the fan base. There was a lot of kind of back and forth about whether it was two points lost or one point gained. How did you view it? 100% one point gained in the circumstances. I think if you asked me before the game, would it have been one point gained if Arsenal had gone to Brighton and drawn 0-0? I, I would have disagreed with that. I think Arsenal should have been going for the three points. But given the circumstances of the game, given how much Brighton dominated, given how much Arsenal struggled, away from home I guess we can talk about the conditions which we'll come on to them a little bit later but say for both sides but Arsenal um, I think in the circumstances we'll be happy to have come away from with the point I think there's plenty of games like that with Arsenal we've seen in the past where they've not played well and they've lost uh, on Saturday they didn't play well and they got a point which is progress I mean ideally they'll be getting to the point where they're not playing well and winning games but you know let's yeah. not run before we can walk on that front I think yeah definitely a point gained in the circumstances yeah, I do tend to agree. I think that Brighton were excellent, to be honest. I think one of the things that gets lost sometimes is we we overanalyze how Arsenal are in games and we don't tend to focus on how good the opposition team can be. And, and Brighton's system in particular, that back three system that Graham Potter's been using was a real issue. And I mean, if you think back to how Chelsea absolutely dominated us again with, with a back three system, do you think that teams will be looking at these two fixtures and going, right, well, I mean, look at the success of Chelsea and Brighton against Arsenal with that back three. Could we also utilise that to get under their skin? Potentially. I think Brighton and Chelsea's back threes are a little bit different. Mm. I think... Um, Brighton set up to press Arsenal, well, Chelsea pressed quite high as well, but Arsenal, uh, Brighton, sorry, set up to press a lot higher than Chelsea did. I think, um, I, I I see all the positives about Brighton and I, I like, thought I really like watching the way they play, but I think for me, when a team plays with a high press, um, like Brighton did against Arsenal, for a team like Arsenal, who like to play out from the back, that should be opportunities to beat that press. I think in many ways, those high pressing back threes, back fours, whatever system it is, they they play into Arsenal's hands. So I was disappointed that Arsenal didn't try and exploit that more. I think maybe we'll see more teams try and copy Graham Potter's tactics. I'd much rather watch teams play like Brighton did than play like Burnley did uh, when Arsenal beat them. So it's mm. exciting and it's, it presents problems that Arsenal have to overcome. Um, but I think it's something they're capable of doing. And actually, I wrote a piece today, which I'll, I'll give another sort of shameless self-plug, given that I'm on a London platform. Absolutely. But definitely... 
definitely check it out. Just about the the playing out from the back and how Arsenal didn't try it enough and how definitely there was a chance to, to do that against Brighton. Yeah, I'm sure we'll come onto the midfield a bit more, but sadly they didn't do that as much as I, I think they could have done. Well, it's interesting you say that because that was going to be the next point regarding <laughs> Arsenal's midfield. Uh, Granite Xhaka, we know, is going to be out for about three months and it dominated much of our discussions from, from last week. Sambi Lukonga came in, uh, a decision that I think a lot of people wanted to see that as, as the choice for Mikel Arteta, but both he, well, in particular Thomas Partey, really struggled uh, to kind of play out from the back. Passing was a, a little bit off and we gave the ball away in some interesting scenarios. I, I kind of... The way I broke it down was like, it looks like the Thomas Partey of La Liga, a player that knows he's got a lot more time in Spain than he does in England. And he, he'd turn away from players, think that he was free, and another Brighton player would come storming in and, and take the ball off him. And that's I felt he was a little bit too comfortable on the day. But overall, the midfield did struggle. Yeah, I, I agree. I don't, I don't think Partey was anywhere near at his best, but we've seen him play that sort of role where he's... Because the way Stambi Lukonga ended up being drawn out to the left to cover Kieran Tierney was it meant that Partey was basically a lone pivot as he was against Burnley and against Burnley they gave him a lot more time on the ball um, just because they're a more reactive team instead of pressing higher up the pitch um, so yeah I think he struggled against that high press there's, there's no real other way to put it he had a real off day I mean his shooting as you, you, you've written about as well is mm. was not good <laughs> but it's, it's not been great <laughs> it's very polite <laughs> yeah it's since he joined Arsenal but for me I'm, I'm not looking at Thomas Partey to get goals I'm looking at him to start attacks from deep and to be that guy uh, in the base of the Arsenal midfield who can handle that sort of pressure that Brighton provide because that is effectively what he's in the team to do he's in the team to help Arsenal break through high presses like that and he didn't do it I don't think it's because he's a bad player I don't think it's because he's suddenly had a, a massive drop-off in form. I think he just had a bad game. And um, mm. it does happen from time to time, even with players as good as Thomas Partey. Sambi Lokonga, I thought, was a little more concerning just because we've not got that sort of backlog of fantastic performances with Sambi to say that he's going to continue and bounce back to higher levels. He, off the ball, he was a little bit worrying for me. He just didn't quite look like he knew where he was supposed to be standing. That Granite Xhaka role of, sort of covering Kieran Tierney in that left defensive half space is so particular and Jacker does it so well mm. that when you ask someone to come in and replicate it, it's, it's quite difficult. And Brighton definitely saw that and they attacked it. They went for that space in behind Kieran Tierney. Um, that's why we saw Leandro Trossard have such a big impact on the game. That's why we saw Joel Beltman have a big impact on the game as well because Brighton targeted that right-hand side. And Zambi was basically drawn out of midfield as a result and not really able to get on the ball and play forward, which is what we know he can do, which is why many people think he's a better option than Granit Xhaka because he plays forward rather than necessarily, I guess, sideways is maybe a bit harsh for Xhaka, but I think that's a criticism mm. that gets levelled at him a lot. So, yeah. yeah, the midfield pivot maybe wasn't the best. I asked Arteta actually about um, Sambi Lukonga after the game. He said he thought he was one of the best players on the pitch, but he'd expected to say something positive given that yeah. he's going to be playing for the next three months. But yeah, a little bit of a concern. I don't think it's something that Arsenal can't get over and I think you have to bear in mind it was Sammy's first game away at Brighton against a proper pressing team like that. So he'll get used to that. That's a learning curve for him. And hopefully he'll bounce back stronger after the international break. Yeah, I think Crystal Palace at home is a good opportunity for, for Lukonga to to play against a side that aren't going to press us as much. I'm not saying not going to press us at all, but they are. you don't expect it to be the same as as yeah. what we saw from Brighton. So we'll see. And maybe, although saying that, Hannah, last thing on the midfield is that could you do you see him maybe switching up to that three uh, that four three three that we saw against Burnley because of the struggles that we had in the middle? 
I, I thought he would do it within the game. So I thought mm. when Arsenal were nil-nil, I thought he'd maybe uh, bring on Pepe and sort of drop Smith Rowe, pull Odegaard over to the left, maybe take off Sambi. I guess that's a lot of changes to when you're speaking sort of mm. on a podcast or on a YouTube video without any visual representation that's hard to <laughs> visualise. But maybe Odegaard just dropping a bit deeper into that space that Xhaka did, like he did against Burnley. He didn't do it, but I think Odegaard was having a poor game and needed to be taken off as well. So... Maybe he'll go back to it against Palace. I think it's difficult to say now because we don't know what players will be available after the international break. Players come back injured, players come back not fully fit. So we'll see where we are come uh, two weeks' time and then I think I'll be able to give you a bit more of an accurate answer then, hopefully. Whilst we weren't able to score, one of the things that was positive from the game is the resolute defending. Um, Ben White, I thought, had probably his, bar a couple of off passes, he's probably his best offensive display in an Arsenal shirt. It uh, was really solid, really helped up by Gabriel. It wasn't a toothless display from Gabriel, uh, metaphorically speaking, more so <laughs> physically speaking. Um, but also you had Ramsdale, who once again was a, a strong, present and for, was present force in, in that back line. And in particular, the, the save, is, is, is it a save? It wasn't really a shot that he stopped, but it was a cro- it was like a cross like an interception kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, it was a goalkeeping interception is probably the best way to describe it, but it was an excellent piece of play that it sounds really easy to say off the cuff, but I don't remember Leno being too explosive off his line like that. And more so, I found Leno more to be more on his line to see those cutbacks like we saw against Manchester City with the Grealish chance that went to Gabriel Jesus. Like You can see Ramsdale maybe being a little bit more explosive and out, than Leno in those scenarios. I might be being a lazy journalist at this point and just thinking off the top of my head, but I think that Ramsdale's really improved things and helps with those types of examples. Um, I actually didn't think Ramsdale had his best of matches. I think Mm. those sort of eye-catching saves at the end made sure that he was able to come out of it with a lot of credit. And this isn't me saying that I think Aaron Ramsdale is a bad goalkeeper. This isn't me saying that I think he was terrible. I think it was sort of five, six out of 10 for me, just because... On the ball, I thought he was really poor, and that's why he's been brought into the side. Technically, I mean, effectively. In what way do you think he was poor? Just to press you on that, like, kind of what what was it about yeah, his game? Yeah, um, I think I think he went too too long too often. I think yeah. Arsenal had the option to play short and keep the ball on the floor, and there were times where Ramsdale looked like he was a little bit panicked in terms of where to pick the passes. And he said it in his post match uh, interview, which I thought was really refreshing, actually, on um, Sky. So if you get a chance, it's on Twitter somewhere. Go check mm. that interview out. It was really interesting how he was basically saying. Uh, he struggled on the ball He because they couldn't go long because Brighton have got Duffy, Byrne and Dunk who are all yeah. six foot, 100, whatever. <laughs> Massive guys. And Aubameyang's not the best in the air at the best of times. So I thought, given that being the case, he could have maybe just been a little bit more intelligent with his pass selection, maybe gone for some lower, shorter passes, but then Brighton were pressing so well. So it was a tricky afternoon for him. But yeah, in terms of that goalkeeping and the actual goalkeeping side of being a goalkeeper... He's very good at it and he does make a lot of good saves and that interception, you know, he might have had a poor game, but that interception did save Arsenal point on the day. So that's his job. That's what he's there to do. So fair play to him for that front. I just don't think he had maybe as good a game as we've seen him have in previous matches. Yeah, and maybe that goes to to complement how good he's been in, in those other matches. That, yeah. that performance that we saw the other day is is probably his worst one, which, to be honest, you'd take at this stage, considering yeah. the amount if of criticism. If you keep a clean sheet in your worst performance, then you oh, did something right. Yeah, dream scenario for a goalkeeper. Um, a few things about the other end of the pitch and scoring goals. We did touch upon Thomas Partey's shooting, um, but there's opportunities for Arsenal to try and get goals from the bench. They brought in Nicolas Pepe. 
but they didn't bring on Martinelli, or rather Arteta chose not to bring on Martinelli. And instead, in the last few minutes, uh, Ainsley Maitland-Niles came on for what was a worry. It looked worrying for Saka, but we're, we're told by Arteta that he's actually fine, thankfully. But just, is that a concern that, that Martinelli's not given the opportunity when Arsenal are in need of, of, of a goal in the last few minutes? Or do you think that Arteta by this point had kind of gone, probably more important not to lose this game than try to win it? I think it was the latter of the two. Um, mm. Maitland-Niles had been warming up since half-time. Him, Lacazette and Pepe were all out at half-time doing quite a, an intense warm-up. Just the three of them, none of the other subs with the strength and conditioning coach, Sam Wilson. So I guess that was pre-planned. I guess it seemed like Mikel Arteta had decided that those were going to be his subs no matter what. I think on a wet and windy day, a player like Gabriel Martinelli can be a bit of a chaos factor. I think he could have come in and done something. Arsenal needed some sort of attacking spark because mm. it wasn't coming. I think he could have been that guy. I think Lacazette did a good job when he came on, in fairness. Um, and I think Pepe was also pretty decent. But just for those last five minutes, I guess Arteta did want to hold on to the point, like you are saying. But I would have liked to have seen Gabriel Martelli given a chance because if he's not getting chances when it's nil-nil and Arsenal don't have any injury subs, well, I suppose Saka was an injury sub, but he's an attacking player, if that makes sense. If Arsenal aren't reduced in the number of subs they have to make because of injuries, surely Martinelli is the guy you turn to in that sort of situation. Maybe it's creating something out of nothing and maybe he'll start the next game against Palace, who knows? But mm. just without Europa League matches, you do worry for him in terms of game time. I think he'll get his chance around Christmas time. He'll get his chance when Aubameyang and Pepe go off for the AFCON. But until then, you just sort of worry, will he be a bit rusty when he comes in? Because he's a player who needs a little bit of sharpness, just a little bit of confidence in front of goal. And you do worry because Flo Balogun was absolutely fantastic for the under-23s and he's getting mm. that game time, even if it's not at senior competitive level. Um, Martinelli isn't getting any so it's just a bit of a concern I agree hopefully nothing too major to worry about just now but I think yeah it's definitely something to keep an eye on if Martinelli continues to be I don't want to say ignored but overlooked Overlooked is definitely the word. I think when I looked at the bench and I saw him, Pepe and Lacazette, I was thinking, wow, we've got a lot to come off the bench if we want to change something in an attacking yeah. sense. However, you have to consider that at the moment he's not getting those chances and maybe a weekend in the under-23s to get a game under his belt and show off what he can do. I mean, if he bagged a couple of goals, that's turning around to Arteta and saying, look, you need goals and I'm scoring them. So that, that could be a route that you could choose to do. Could be. Um, yeah, <laughs> Sorry, sorry. I left you hanging there. <laughs> no, no, no. That's okay. Uh, it could be, could be a route. Um, I think Martinelli's a little bit too good for the under-23s. I think dropping him down would send a bit more of a message that would create sort of a media storm or just a social sure. media storm even that isn't necessarily positive for either club or player, even though I do agree that he does need some minutes somewhere um, just until those games come up where he's going to be needed later in the season. But... It's a tricky one with no European football. I can't see how he's going to get them. So, yeah, a little bit concerning. Let's jump into the chat box and see what some of you guys are saying. Maybe you're tuning in for the first time. You've got the ability to throw your questions in if you'd like to see them answered. Amandeep says, yes, Gabby is untidy, but keeps buzzing. He should have played. I mean, maybe we could have done a little bit of the injection of energy that he would have brought to the team. Vinny asks, uh, Kaya, do you think that we missed Jacker in the centre of the park, which has been a big question amongst Arsenal fans this weekend? Yeah, it's a good question from Vinny, and I think the answer is yes. Um, on a day like that, when Arsenal were struggling to keep the ball, they had their pass success rate, I think, was something like 75%, which is appalling for a team like Arsenal, really, um, especially a team that pride themselves on being good in possession, keeping the ball. That low ball retention 
meant that Brighton were able to keep coming and coming and coming, like wave after wave of Brighton attack. Um, I almost made some sort of terrible pun about it being on the south coast of waves, but I chose not to. <laughs> so, um, you're welcome for that. But yeah, I think Arsenal did miss Xhaka, just someone who could hold on to the ball, someone who could be a bit more experienced in the middle of the park and someone who could be a bit stronger yeah. under that pressure. I don't think Xhaka is necessarily the best when uh, teams try to press high. We saw that against Brentford this season. We've seen it on countless other occasions, Burnley last season, plenty of others. But I think on a day like that, where you need someone to maybe just get a foot on the ball, maybe just play a few sideways passes and just keep the ball, I think Xhaka could have been the guy and I think he would have been able to just maybe stand up a little bit more to that physical test that Brighton were offering on the day and maybe allowed Kieran Tierney to get into the game because I thought he was kind of anonymous, mm. easy for me to say, on the day. So, you know, I think someone like Xhaka could have made a difference, but we're not going to have him for the next three months. So that's something Arsenal need to get used to and something they need to work out how to deal with because it's going to be a problem for, for quite a while now. And um, yeah, hopefully they'll be able to come up with a better solution than what we saw on Saturday. Mm. Steve Stone says at the time Ainsley Matlinaz was introduced we were hanging on in my opinion it was definitely the correct decision not to use Gabby I do tend to agree with the point of view I think it was very much a case of trying to keep hold of that that final point rather than losing the game trying to win it um, Aaron which is a famous sketch from Keegan-Michael Key if you aren't aware do go check it out it's very funny uh, it says it is 4-3-3 the way forward until Xhaka comes back at least with Partey Emil Smith-Rowe and Erdogan forming the midfield that's a good question. Um, I don't necessarily think the tactics in that 4-3-3 are that different from when Arsenal play a 4-2-3-1 with Xhaka. I think Erdegaard drops deep and plays that left-sided role. I just worry about what that does for Emil Smith-Rowe. He was fantastic again on Saturday. I thought he was one of the few bright spots, him and Saka. Saka on the right, Smith-Rowe on the left. And I think that's their best two positions. So I'm worried about maybe moving them around too much. But I think, yeah, the midfield does need to maybe have something a bit different. I think it's just going to depend on the opposition. Arsenal playing when they play a team like Brighton who are going to be quite aggressive in the press maybe a 4-2-3-1 is a little better but when they play a team like Palace who you mentioned before probably going to press a little bit less maybe a little be a little bit easier to play against in the midfield mm. just packing that midfield and allowing Thomas Party to be the, the sitter on his own I think maybe makes a little bit more sense um, you also have the options of playing AZ Mitten and Niles further forward in a 4-3-3 or Albert Sambi Lacongo is an 8 he said that himself Sambi that that's his position that he prefers so there's plenty of options within that Arsenal midfield. It doesn't have to just be those three as a midfield combination. So I think, yeah, there's plenty of options for Mikel Arteta as opposed to last season where it was Elneny and Spires coming in. I think Maitland-Niles and Samuel Lukonga are much better alternatives and players who are a lot more tactically flexible and capable for Arsenal coming through. Yeah, it's interesting because I, I subscribe to the idea of this 4-3-3 helping out with Xhaka's absence because Erdegaard dropping deeper means that we have that left footer on the left-hand side, which I feel like would feed Tierney much better than, say, a Lukonga, who's... I always kind of subscribe to this theory about a right-footed passer going to the left, which is much of the reason why I think Arteta's chosen left-footers at centre-back to help with those passes out from the back, is that an out-swinging pass through to the the left-back running on means they can run onto the ball, whereas an in-swinging pass from a right-footer is much harder to control and often increases the chance of, of a miscontrol from a player. So if you put Erdogan, say, in that slot next to a Smith-Rowe, and then you could bring, say, there's a way you can bring Martinelli into the fold onto the left-hand side, you've still maintained the balance of a right-footer on the left-wing position, but you've added that left-foot presence in the midfield. It's only an option for Arteta to look at and maybe something that we'll see him 
test and experiment as we have Jacques out, as we say, for these three months. Um, Peter Goulding says, away form was the main issue pre-COVID. Seems to be the same now. Is this Arteta's fault and what's the solution? Um, it's a good question. I, I haven't really noticed the away form being too much of an issue this season. I guess Arsenal have lost a lot of games on the road, but... Um, mm. At home last season was where there were a lot of problems. I, yeah. I personally thought um, for Arsenal, they, they struggled to score many goals at home. They struggled to win many games at home. So I, I, I'd say that it doesn't seem to matter where Arsenal are playing. There seems to be a lot of problems within the team mm. at the minute, but I think they're solvable problems. I don't know if Arteta can be blamed for the away record. That goes back to their times under Unai Emery, under Arsene Wenger. Those were big issues then. I think they're less of an issue now. I think maybe a question sort of, I guess the subtext of Peter's question is the character of this Arsenal side and can they cope with those tough away days? I think this Arsenal side with Gabriel at the back, with Tommy Asu at the back, with Ben White playing well, Kieran Tierney, Aaron Ramsdale, players like that are far better equipped to cope with those tricky away trips than any Arsenal team we've seen in recent years. I really think that this team definitely has a lot of character and a lot of leadership um, within it. So I think they should be better on the road um, mm -hmm. and I think the results will come again. Yeah, I think just by adding Premier League experienced players like Ramsdale and, and White into a defensive back five like that, f f just in the the sense of the experience there is going to help you in those trips. Nothing. I mean, we won Burnley, which is something that is is never an easy task. We held Brighton to a nil nil draw. You, you sometimes you might look at that as a negative, but I think stopping that Brighton side playing as well as they did in that game and holding them to a clean sheet was definitely a positive. Obviously, we, we were unlucky not to keep a clean sheet against Spurs. And I think that prior to the international break, we had a period where we were missing both our two key main centre-backs. We didn't yeah. have Ramsdale in the team at that point. You had Thomas Partey out as well. I think there's a lot of reasons why the first three games went the way they did. And I suppose that leads quite nicely into the final question, Kyle, which is across the, across the last four games, we've, we've won 10 points out of a possible 12. But there's an argument countered to that to say that we've got 10 points from an opening 21 so how do you perceive those two routes of looking at the season and how contextually do you kind of put forth an argument for either way that's a good question um so you but i think we we spoke last week about arteta and whether he needed to be praised for overall turning things around and mm. I, I i think the answer i gave was something along the lines of yes but also he needs to be criticized for what happened early doors in those first three games. I think he made a lot of bad choices. You know my thoughts on Kolasinac in the back three. I'm not a, not a fan of that. So I think there were lots of issues in those opening games, but I think the fact that Arsenal were able to get those signings into the side, the fact that Arsenal were able to turn the tactics around, get injured players back, get players back from COVID, arguably meant that that season did start against Norwich. I know it's impossible to, to write off those nine points that Arsenal lost, and they're going to be huge as the season comes to an end if Arsenal finish um, by a small margin outside the European places, then Arsenal will look back on those first three games and say, well, if only they'd had their signings done earlier in the window, if only they'd got what they needed to do done early doors, then that would have been better. I, I think I'm going to try and look at it positively and lean more towards the 10 point from 12 um, angle. I just think that's probably fairer given the players Mikel Arteta had available to him, given the circumstances he had to deal with in those first three games. But I don't think he gets off scot-free and I do think he made a lot of bad decisions in those first three matches that he should be held accountable for.
Absolutely. It's just kind of the same way I look at it. I don't think you should ignore the first three games and the issues that went with them. I thought tactically against both Chelsea and City in particular, there were some big errors. Like I know that those two games, you can easily say it's Chelsea and City. They're far and away above us. But we practically handed the result to those teams in those two games, which was tricky. And then the Brentford game, I can kind of make my peace with. We didn't have a single senior striker available. Thomas Partey wasn't there. It was Ben White's first competitive game. Gabriel wasn't fit. We wasn't sure we didn't have Tommy Asu by that point either there was a lot of issues there was the whole kind of aura of the Brentford having their first game in the Premier League all the momentum was with them so that game I can kind of make my peace with but it is those Chelsea game and the Man City game where you'd usually see an excuse and I hate using that word excuse because it's not something you should use but a reason being that those two sides are superior contextually at this point but you go into those other games Norwich at home after such a poor start getting that win and dominating the game with 30 plus shots I think it was on goal was important for a side that have struggled to create chances. Burnley away has always been a, been a tricky game and holding them to a clean sheet and, and coming away with the win, even though it was from a set piece, was important. And then we blitzed the North London derby, which is always fantastic to see. And then we held a nil-nil result at a, a Brighton side that are showing to be really impressive this season. have already beaten Leicester away from home, of course, too. So I think contextually, you look at the opening start to the season, you have to turn around and say... It's a, it's a good foundation, I think. We've turned things around. I, watch, I would have much rather have taken 10 from the last 12 than opened with 10 from, from 12 and then lost the, the next three games and leave us there going into October. So I think if you were going to lose three games, arguably those first three were probably the best way to lose them. And now we're turning things around, which is definitely a positive. Just before we wrap up, I've just noticed that Raj is a new member of our chat box. So I want to give him the opportunity to answer the question. So very quickly, Kai, uh, just a quick query. Uh, I believe Potter is such a cruel weather in such sorry cruel weather got the tactics spot on potter is a cruel weather that would be very harsh on the bright <laughs> um but knowing all big eight teams struggle being consistent against such teams in such conditions are we too quick on being critical um it's a good question i i don't think i think maybe some people on social media were quite critical of the performance maybe saw the result and were very disappointed mm. I, I think a lot of things are it's very I'm trying to think of an answer to the no, question. I saw a lot of people saying like difficult. it's Brighton, like we should beat them because they're Brighton. But it's Bright, like Brighton who could have gone top of the league on Monday. They're a good exactly. team. Exactly. They're a very good team. If they had a proper striker, they'd be a lot they'd be a lot higher oh, on the yeah. table than they are. And if only uh, they'd signed I, Eddie and Ketia. <laughs> if only well, yes, yeah. precisely. Precisely. But I think, yeah, no, Brighton are a good team. And I think uh, I, I don't want to be critical or sort of passive aggressive towards some sections of the fan base but I think most people who can view this game in the context that it is the most I guess rational people will say that it, in the circumstances yes Arsenal wanted the result and in an ideal world there would have been a better performance but I think to be hypercritical and crazily critical of that game is a bit over the top just because I think Arsenal had a lot of things to deal with and came through it and got the point. So you can see the positives or you can see the negatives. I personally would like to focus on the positives, although there are negatives there that do need to be worked on. And nil-nil at Brighton, a Brighton side who are probably going to finish top half in the Premier League this season. Um, I don't think that's too bad a result. So I think, yeah, maybe some people are being a bit too critical to quote Raj's point there. 
Yes, I, I do tend to agree. I was happy with the point, considering the performance, considering all the situation and context that went with the game. And I think not going into the international break on a loss is is key. Um, so that, that was also important. Anyway, we are going to wrap things up there. We hope you've enjoyed the show. Please do drop a like on today's video and subscribe to the Arsenal way. If you haven't already, we'll be back tomorrow morning at 9.30am for the next Arsenal Agenda. And we've got plenty of exciting content planned for you throughout the week. So let's take an opportunity to thank my guest, Kaya. Thank you ever so much for coming on. Really appreciate your time, mate. No worries. Thank you very much for having me on again. Always a pleasure. You can find Kaya at Kaya Kainak. Is it, I'm going to say 97? It is 97. Oh, remember it. Roll on the bottom of my screen. <laughs> <laughs> Helped out ever so slightly. Thank you so much, guys, for tuning in. We will see you again very soon. And as always, keep following us down the Arsenal way. Hey.